Well, hello, White Sox fans, and welcome to another edition of White Sox Daily Live. My name is Ian Eskridge, and I am here with my co-host, the Danny Miller. How you doing, Danny? Uh, I'm doing pretty well, actually. You know, uh, wife and I uh, spent the weekend uh, getting ourselves set up at the new permanent campsite. Mm. Brought the old uh, house on wheels out there, a.k.a. the uh, race hotel. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, we uh, we stuck it on our grounds. We are parked across the street from a lake in front of us and a creek behind us. So I got water on both sides. Spent the weekend out there getting everything uh, cleaned up and ready to go. And it's only about a half an hour away from work for me. So I actually spent the morning uh, hanging out with the geese before I uh, went to work. So it's it's a good day, man. <laughs> How are you doing, man? Doing all right. You know, um, busy weekend out doing uh, shows every day. And uh, I got the same coming up this weekend. So, you know, um, I am going to be actually... Uh, Mixing uh, chains over razors coming up here shortly. Hey, yeah, uh, in Tinley Park uh, next Thursday night. So that'll next be Thursday night. Yeah, that'll be interesting. Um, yeah. So I mean, other than that, you know, uh, watching some winning White Sox baseball for two out of three. Uh, completely foreign thing, you know. Uh, Against a, a pretty good ball club at that. Yeah, I mean, against the best baseball team, you know, record-wise, at least in uh, in Major League Baseball. So, right, you know, um, watch some uh, minor league stuff over the weekend as well. Obviously, yeah, the two out of three against the Braves. This is the this is the point. The season turns around. Yeah, White Sox are back. <laughs> White Sox are back. Um, yeah, I don't think so. Um, and you know, I think, uh, you know, I, you would have to think that regardless of, you know, what's going to happen over the next like two weeks or whatever, um, that the, the thoughts of selling are not going away just, you know, based on a two week sample, at least you wouldn't, you wouldn't think so. Yeah. No, no, I'll be honest. You know, and I, I told you this pre-show here, but uh, I did not watch a single inning of that Brave series. I'll be completely honest with our fans. Uh, I did catch some updates. I did catch some uh, articles and some some little Twitter posts here and there. But you know, as I said, I was out in about in the uh, you know in the the I'm going to throw the air quotes up there for the the live viewers. Uh, I was out there in the country, uh, but uh, you know. I did, I feel like I didn't miss much, even though they did win two out of three. Uh, and, uh, you know, I had a happy weekend. You know, so, I, the, 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 second hey, two, could, the second and the third game, they actually played some good baseball. I mean, and that, I mean, that's pretty much the feeling I got when I was seeing these things. But at the same time, I'm at the point in the season where I've seen this. Uh, it, you know, for the last two years where we get this feeling of like, here they come, here they go. They're finally putting it together. We've said it here. I don't know how many times this season kind of hanging our hat on a new regime and a new coaching staff and, you know, hoping that, uh, things were going to change. And we've, we've seen that 
White Sox Twitter go off on on this is it. This is the moment. Here we go. Things Everybody are going to turn around. <laughs> We're only five games back. We're only six games back. The Central is still ours. And, uh, you know, and we fizzles out. So, I, I, you know, okay, great. They played some good baseball. I'm not going to get excited about it until they do that sustainably over a, a, a really good amount of time. Like, I don't know, the entire second half here. <laughs> Yeah, I and you know, like the the thing is, is that you know, with how badly they played in the first half, I mean, it can't get much worse. You know, uh, I think they were what, like, I think at the lowest point, I think they hit seventeen games under five hundred with the uh, with the loss to the Braves. I think they were seventeen under with that, and um, you know, I mean, the division's awful. So, I mean conceivably, you know, they could make a run at the division. But, I mean, like, the thing is that, like, they put themselves in such a a hole in the first, you know, three, uh, what is it, Uh, May, June, July. Yeah, so, I mean, like, the first two and a half months of the season, you know, you put yourself in that big of a hole. Like, I just don't see how you climb out of that. And unless they just go on a straight heater for the next two months, you know, and take the division. I mean, possibly they could look dangerous coming into the playoffs if if they were to win the division. Because, I mean, in order for them to win this division, they're going to have to be on a serious, serious heater to be able to do that. And, I, you know, like with, you know, being that far under 500, you know, in the front office – conceivably making the you know the the decision that they were going to actually sell off you know come the trade deadline if they make a run even if they do sell off some pieces it'll be pretty you know a pretty huge story so yeah i mean that's a la 2001 you know actually even a bigger story than you know say the 2001 Oakland A's going on a you know 20 game win streak type thing because the Oakland A's during that season were never 17 games under 500 no you know uh and you know we 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 make moneyball references here you know i won't say often but you know quite a bit just because it's it's fun to do that in comparison and how ridiculous that comparison can be at times. But, uh, you know, the thing is, is that, uh, that, uh, Oakland A's team that was not mentioned in that, uh, in that movie a whole lot was the pitching staff that they had. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And I am, I am sorry to say to white Sox fans that the white Sox, the 2023 white Sox do not have the same sort of starting staff. That that team did on paper, they should possibly I mean, have that type of starting staff. They've put up some, you know. I mean, it didn't start off that way, but uh, you know, Lance Lynn has certainly come on as of late, and Dylan Cease has also upped his game, and Gilito has been solid, you know, pretty much most of the season. Uh, just the, you know, you got Clevenger injured. And you've got, you know, Jesse Schulten's making a handful of starts here and there. And, you know, Kopech's been mostly miss and a couple of hits. 
Yeah, but you know, all of those guys that we talk about, Giolito, Cease, Lynn, Kopech, uh none of them are even, you know, Mark Mulder esque. As let alone, you know, Barry Zito esque of that twenty twenty or wow. the two thousand one season. Yeah, I you mean, don't have three guys getting twenty wins or whatever it was that they did. But right. And that's even if you had an offense to uh back up that starting pitching. There none of these guys would have been in a twenty game range. I don't think by the end of the season. I I would say that if anybody was going to do it, it would be Giolito. But the you know again, you know the, the the offense has been so terrible that none of the, you know you know win as a stat, you know wins as a stat is you know whatever. I mean it's like a, right, it's a team stat really. Honestly, yeah, hundred percent a team stat. But um, well, I mean not hundred percent, but you know like. 80% is a, a a team stat and um yeah I I don't uh I mean with with this offense there's just no way that anybody would have even gotten close to that um even if they had like a 1 ERA it wouldn't have mattered cuz if right. you don't score I, you know, any runs sure. you can't win uh without you know going back and actually looking at the numbers all three of those guys had like sub 1.25 whips on that, that a staff, you know, those three 20 game winners. Yeah. Uh, maybe if it wasn't sub one, two, five, it was really close to that. And, you know, it, it's, it's difficult to even make the comparison because the game isn't the same. The rules have obviously changed a lot. This, you know, especially in the last couple of years, uh, you know, they didn't reinvent the game completely, but they did change some things that are going to skew some stats, you know, going forward here. And, you know, again, over the last 20 plus years, uh, the way pitchers are handled are different. So the comparison, it, you know, can't be made to an exact uh, extent. But, yeah, I'll agree with you. The, the White Sox starting staff has not been bad. After a little bit of a bumpy start early in the season, uh, a lot of these guys have kind of seemed to find their way some. And, you know, uh, it, it roles have kind of reversed where the bullpen started out a little bit, you know, picking these guys up early on in the season and now have seemed to kind of falter, you know, aside from guys like, you know, Keenan Middleton and, and Santos and, you know, a couple of the other guys that are out there that have been solid. but. Oh, it, it it goes back to what we've been talking about for a while here. Now the offense has not been great, although you know they did put up some numbers here recently. But the big dollar that was spent on the bullpen over the last couple of seasons has really not come to any sort of fruition for the White Sox with Liam Hendricks missing, you know, quite a bit of time here this season. Kendall Graveman not really, you know, performing. Joe Kelly not really performing. Uh, it's it's just a shame. Yeah, I mean, you could. I, I see you bobbing your head over there. I mean, they, Joe Kelly had okay. like a like a zero point five ERA for like a month. You know, a month straight. You know, I mean, you can't blame. You know, I like the the thing is is that you never have. Everybody firing at once is pretty much been like the the, the yeah. issue, you know, with the with the pitching, and you know they're uh, like the bullpen ERA was like uh, one of the tops in the league for for quite a while, but then it kind of dropped off again. I mean, if I was going to blame anything about the results of this team, 
on one facet of the game. It would not be on the starting pitching or the bullpen. You know, I mean, we have had some, uh, you know, some things here and there, you know, where guys have dropped out and not looked good for, you know, like a point of time. But, I mean, you know, that offense, man, I like, you know, as Grimtall says here, zero fence. <laughs> yeah, offense is a zero. Um you know, it's just you can't you can't win games if you score zero or one runs. I mean, it's it's just impossible. You know, uh, like you could have the best pitching staff in baseball, and nine times out of ten, if you score one or zero runs, you are going to lose. And they have been doing that, you know, way way too much. And like I just, you know, and it's one of those things. You know, like we've sit here beat our heads against the wall, you know, trying to figure out what the heck is going on with the offense, and it's like. You know, I mean, I I don't even have like a legitimate fix for it. You know, no, no. So let me answer this then. Before we get into, you know, the uh, the possibility of uh, you know the sell off coming soon, which we spoke a little bit about last week, uh, last time we recorded. You know, Bob Nightingale surmised a little bit that the you know the sell-off could start as early as last week and it hasn't really come to that point yet but uh you know inevitably it's on its way we feel like anyway you know regardless of Pedro Grafal coming out and making comments like well maybe something will happen and maybe it won't well thank you Captain Obvious for that you know little sound bite there but uh <laughs> you know it, it feels like it's going to come so if some of these veteran players that were brought up in the past are shipped out somewhere else, do you feel, and I, I, you know, I'm going to go right back to the, uh, the uh, money ball reference and, you know, the trading of a particular uh, rookie all-star rookie first baseman in that game or in that, that movie, do you feel like maybe some moves of in a different way, you know, getting rid of these, these, veteran players that have maybe some uh, issues with the White Sox organization, maybe having uh, that dark cloud hanging over their heads, a little bit of a bad attitude and bad energy in the clubhouse. Could you see a little bit of a turnaround in the second half, having some of these guys shipped out? And this is all, you know, going on. Obviously we don't really know what's happening in the clubhouse, but what are your thoughts? So here's the thing, right? Is that, you know, the thing that everybody's looking for, is starting pitching and bullpen help. You know, and the thing is, is that if the White Sox ship out Lance Lynn, they ship out, you know, Giolito or Cease, um, you know, and Keenan Middleton and Santos, and, you know, assuming that uh, Kelly comes back healthy here, that, you know, he's going to get shipped off as well. Uh, you know, I mean... I don't see, you know, regardless of whether the offense finds themselves at this point, I don't know that it's really going to matter because if you ship out all of that, all of that pitching and, you know, I mean, it's the, the targets that other teams are going to want, you know, they're not going to want, you know, Kopech, you know, they're not going to want Jesse Schultons. They're going to be looking for, you know, the, the the top guys. And if you right. ship those guys out, this, you know, this team's dead in the water. Right. Absolutely. And I, and I agree one with you 100% on 
the reason I even brought that up is I did see that idea kind of thrown around a little bit, you know, only here and there, but I thought it was kind of obvious that if you make those holes in the pitching staff, (laughs) this team is going to fall flat on its face because obviously the offense has just not been there all season. And now you're going to take away what does work from the White Sox. They're not going to get any better. So I figured I'd just throw that question out to you and, uh, you answered it pretty much exactly the way I figured you would. Well, I mean, like, here's the thing, right? Is that <laughs> you could, you know, say you shipped off, you know, uh, I mean, Eloy's hurt again, so you're probably not going to trade him, you know, unless he gets uh, gets back to being healthy. He's got a groin issue, you know, uh, trying to run out Imagine of double that. play, and now he's got a groin issue out for like four or five days. So, and stop me if you heard this before, but he's not going on the IL because it's only going to be like half the amount of time. So he's not going on the IL. Um, so they're just going to hurting a leg running the first base. I, I, I feel like maybe I've heard that before. Yeah. And eating up a roster spot because he won't go on the IL and they won't put him on the IL because it's hmm. all, it's only four or five days. Well, yeah. Sounds it's vaguely only, familiar. Yeah. It's, it's like this whole story for like the last like calendar year. Is that they can't send anybody to the IL because you don't want to? Like I don't even know why. Like what? What purpose does this serve? You know, you, I, you know, I really some, don't know. We start the clock on these guys. We start the clock on these guys in the minor leagues. So you know, guys that are in Double A because they are holding a forty-man spot to bring them up to uh, I don't know have three or four at bats over a two-week period and a pinch run. You know, a pinch play run the and field. An appearance at second base. That's all a pop. Yeah, play the field for a couple innings. Yeah, you know, uh, it's it's kind of ridiculous. Why did we bother to start the clock? And now, when the opportunity for someone to come up and actually play for I don't know, we can have two weeks. If we are going to start the clock, now nah, we're just going to hold on to Aloy while he hobbles. Probably, you know, I'm guessing bring him back. You know, like you say, if it's going to be a three, four day thing, we're not going to put him on the IL. We're going to bring him back while he's still probably not a hundred percent. Because let's be honest, a groin doesn't just magically heal up in two days. Magical groin. Yeah. So I, you know, it doesn't make any sense to me either. Yeah. It's, I mean, it, so these it, people get paid a lot of money to make those decisions. I mean, there is the retroactive <laughs> thing. You know, you can put somebody on the IL retroactively if they haven't played. You do that, and then, you know, you give the guy a week, and then he's got a day to sit around. You know, saying if we're talking about Eloy here, you know, he's got a day to sit around, and then he's back active if that's enough. You know, but but playing a man short. When, you know, you've been struggling on offense and you, you know, like I, you know, people have made comments about Pedro Grafal doing weird things, pinch hitting and pinch running and getting defensively worse because of the way he's been deploying his players, you know, so you end up going into the ninth inning tied, but you've got a much worse defense on the field. And, you know, this just helps that along, you know, is at least give him a useful piece for, you know, for 
uh, four or five days, you know, like giving him less people that are available on his roster is not going to help anybody on the team. I mean, granted, you know, at this point, are we, you know, are, is the front office even worried about it? Because I'm pretty sure that they just got the idea that they're just going to sell, you know? Well, and that's, you know, the other side of that coin too, when you bring up the front offices, there's a lot of speculation going on out there right now that, Maybe Pedro Grafal and you know his coaching staff aren't in full control of what's going on on the field and with those moves and you know the the guys that he's using on a daily basis because we're seeing some of the same mistakes and some of the same head scratching moves that have happened over the last two seasons with Tony Larusa and there's you know it's obviously speculation but there is that kind of feeling that something's going on behind the scenes that's kind of tying the manager's hands. Because there's no real explanation for what we're seeing some of the time. And, I, you know, I don't know. Maybe it is just poor management. I mean, it could be. Maybe or it could be coaching. like that uh, that Ozzy Guillen thing where he's like, well, or, or you know, uh, technically the reverse of what Art Howe did is regardless of what you're telling me, I'm going to start these guys because they're available. But, you know, maybe – you know, the Ozzy Gian Kenny Williams thing is, you know, it, well, you're populating my roster with these guys. So I'm just going to keep on playing them until, you know, you get rid of them because they're terrible. I mean, that could be, that could be something as well. You know, I mean, like I would like to think because he's a first year manager that he's not going to go and pull something like that, but uh, you know, who knows? Uh, yeah. You would think that, I mean, here's a guy who's trying to uh, establish himself and, probably uh continue his career as a manager and uh right now he's not making a very good name for himself i could you know see a one and done it it it's very possible i don't know that it's going to happen uh if you know if we look at the history of the white Sox, but uh you know charlie montoya was sitting there on the bench with him but uh, i digress uh you know in the, in the, let's just say in the case that he is a one and done manager I don't see anybody really, any of these other teams kind of, you know, chomping at the bit to get their shot at Pedro Grafal, the manager. Yeah, well, no, and I don't see anybody, uh, you know, other than uh, trying to find somebody that's desperate for their first managerial job, you know, thinking that they can do a better job than Pedro did, you know, trying to get beat down the door and get in here as the manager right. either. You know, I mean, it's it's probably <laughs> going to be, you know, when you've got a team this bad, you know, you're not going to get, um, hold on one second. Totally thought I was going to sneeze and I didn't. Um, so, you know, I, if you are trying to get this club on the winning path and you have, you know, somebody, how are the Sox doing? Juki Hollick, the White Sox are not doing well. Um, although they won two out of their last three, so there is that against the best team in baseball. Um, but, um, you know, I don't see, you know, like one of the things it was like a, a big allure for uh, a Tony LaRusso was that, you know, it was a quote unquote, uh, you know, very talented roster with uh, a ton of potential. 
had just gone to, you know, the playoffs and, uh, this is this is what you know he he was like okay well you know most managers you know you come into a place and you have to start from the bottom and build the team up this one's a, a finished product and you know the first year it kind of looked like a finished product for the first half of the year the second half not so much but then the second year you know it was you know 500 ball and then this year after they got rid of TLR you know we're like 15 under right now. Um, so are you going to be able to get a top flight manager to come in and, and do this, especially if you start selling off pieces? I think that that's probably going to be a difficult thing if they do get rid of him. Yeah. I, I again, I have to agree. Uh, who's going to want to come in and it's maybe it's not even the fact that uh, potential managers are look, you know, they're not, they might not be scoreboard watching and, and record watching with the White Sox. They might be watching what's going on in the organization. How can a ball club that was touted as being so, you know, potentially powerful on paper fall flat on its face? And I think, uh, you know, high caliber managerial candidates would look at that and say, there's got to be an organizational dysfunction. So, you know, why would anybody want to come here and take that job unless they were throwing buckets on top of buckets of money at that manager? And then, you know, maybe somebody say, well, if we suck, at least I'm getting paid. Yeah. <laughs> I would have to, that would be a, I'd have to think long and hard about, who they could possibly get that would be desperate enough to come here and deal with this nonsense. You know, I mean, between the, you know, ridiculousness of not wanting to pay a player to, you know, possibly getting their hands in the, uh, the lineup stuff and, uh, who you're going to play and whatever. Like, I just, I don't know. That's, that's a difficult one. Um, so have you seen this, uh, this thing floated out there where, um, I know James Fox has mentioned it. Uh, I had thought about it, uh, at previous times as well. Um, if Dylan, Dylan Cease is a Scott Boris guy and you know how that whole thing's going to go. Yes. With Scott Boris. I mean, regardless of whether, uh, he likes it here or not, he's still going to free agency and he's still going to get a boatload of money. And I mean, I have no confidence and certainly don't have a previous track record to suggest that the White Sox are going to actually pay a Dylan Cease what he's worth to keep him around. So Agreed. the thing has been, you know, floated out there that Dylan C should be traded because you're this is that's the guy that you are going to get the most return for because of the control left on his contract. And if this thing's getting blown up, is it worth keeping him around for an extra two years when you know that for the next two years the team's probably not going to be competitive? Uh, I mean, I would kind of have to say probably not, you know, for all the reasons that you brought up, 
he uh you know he obviously isn't the pitcher that he was last year but he has not been bad by any means um I, it's you know and it, you got to think that a guy that was in the top 3 in in Cy Young votes last year uh is probably you know maybe just having a little bit of an off season and would you know potentially come around again next season and the following while he's still under this original contract, you got to think that uh, somebody out there is going to pay dearly to have them on their roster. And it's not going to be the white sauce, just like you say. So uh, why not get back? A, you probably will get a boatload for him in return. And you can probably get MLB or near MLB ready talent as well. So, you know, you might be able to get a handful of decent prospects. You might be able to get an MLB player or near MLB player. Uh, I, I honestly have to say it. I'd be fielding any calls if I was a GM. And, you know, we've said this before, too. Any, any GM worth his salt is listening to any offer out there, regardless if you're telling the media that this guy's untouchable or that guy's untouchable. We're not trading this. We're not trading that. We're not even listening to calls. Well, and when I hear that one, we're not even talking to anybody about this. We're not listening. I'm saying, why not? Why not? Because you got You got to take everything into consideration. If somebody's going to make you an offer you can't refuse, well, then you got to pull that trigger, right? So, you know, if a team like say, you know, teams like the Reds, uh, you know, the Yankees, um. The Mets, you know, the teams, uh, some of those, a lot, the Dodgers, some of these teams with the, the the big payrolls that, you know, have to almost, they almost have to try to appease their fan base after spending, you know, north of the luxury tax thresholds to try to buy a championship and have now kind of fell off and are not really doing what was expected. You almost think that these, these teams are going to, probably start bidding wars for some of the better uh, trade pieces. And I think maybe that's why the White Sox, uh, you know, they, they've kind of stalled in their trade talks. So, you know, Bob Nightingale, again, saying that last week that it could have been uh, starting as, as early as then. But you would think that, you know, all these names have been thrown around in the White Sox pitching staff not being gone yet and having the amount of teams mentioned around them is because there possibly is a bidding war. So there might be some big pieces coming back. And I personally would trade Dylan Cease if the price was right. Yeah. I'm, you know, I, I saw a mock trade. It said Giolito and Cease for Jackson Holiday. I said yes immediately. Because this team is okay. not going anywhere. And he's, he's one of those guys that's a possible generational talent. You know, I've watched the kid play a lot. You know, I watched him play with the, uh, um, Delmarva Shorebirds against the Ballers. I watched him play for the Aberdeen Ironbirds against the against the Dash, and uh, I think he got promoted to Double A if I remember correctly. So, I mean, he just keeps. I mean, he's just going through the system quickly, and he hasn't right. stopped hitting. And right. um, yeah, he could be to the White Sox what Mike Trout is to the Angels. At he least could. he's somebody that he, I'm just saying potentially he could be. Uh, and I say that because, you know, generational talent, possibility, generational talent, 
But there's also the possibility that he never sees a, a, a lengthy postseason. That, oh, <laughs> yeah. Did you happen to see that uh, that Jay Kuda tweet where it was like, uh, "Have you been um, under 500 since 2018?" And it's like got like a bunch of teams over here on the left, and it says no, and on the right it says uh, it says yes, and it's got like Detroit and. Um, was it Detroit and Kansas City and uh, and the Angels or something like that? And then it says, "Did you have Shohei and Mike Trout?" <laughs> it says no, and it's got Detroit and uh, and the Royals or whoever. And then on the other side, it says yes, and just the Angels just sitting there. It's lovely. Yeah, troll. that's it is. But I mean, there's a lot of truth. <laughs> there's well, it's all truth, honestly. So, but yes, fantastic troll. Did you see the Garfine podcast fans take over? I did. I did listen to them. Um, one of them I listened to, and the other one, like I had on, and I was in and out on that one. But uh, we're not doing poems if that's if that's what you're asking for. No poems on here. This is a no poetry podcast slash stream. No poetry zone. Yeah. Um, the point about no skyscrapers was a rock solid point. Uh, you'd have to refresh my memory on skyscrapers. Yeah, I, I would mean, assume it'd be like uh, top top talent. I mean, so so you say that you'll listen to uh, they oh that they didn't sign a big guy and it forced Eloy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah, so it was it was mentioned that uh, you know the the other guys had to try and step up and be the man. Because the man was never signed in free agency, like it was, you know, it was told to us numerous times that the money will be spent and we will do that. And instead of doing that, you know, they oh ex- no many extended all those Mazzara guys. Machado, yeah, <laughs> yeah, Yonder Alonso. Oh, I'm John sorry, Alonso. Yeah, yeah, Yonder Alonso and John Jay. Yeah. Boy, wow. To step up and they weren't ready yet. No. Uh, You know, so bringing up uh, a guy like Robert, who is actually the guy who is stepping up, are you listening to uh, trade offers on him? Um, Again, I mean, you kind of have to. Uh, You at least have to pick up the phone and hear what the other guy on the other end has to say. Um, He is potentially generational talent if he can stay healthy and we are seeing what a mostly healthy Luis Robert can do this season and that's been pretty much the most exciting thing that we can watch here in the south side this year so it's a tough one obviously because it is the only thing kind of keeping us you know feeling like we have something to watch but at the same time you have to kind of you know you got to do your due diligence and see what you know teams are offering uh i you know i'm probably going to get jumped on for saying something like that but you got to answer the phone at least have the conversation if it's not something that you feel like is a uh you know a fair return fine hang up the phone we're done talking here but you know that's another one of those guys where it's going to take a lot to pry him away and if somebody's going to give you that a lot whatever that whatever that amount of a lot is that you decide it is well, 
why not? I'm not married to anything on this White Sox team right now. I'll be completely honest with you. I don't think anybody is untouchable. And like you say, it looks like they're going to be bad for at least the next couple of years. You know, unless uh, Jerry opens up the purse string Cohen style, which we know is never going to happen. uh, They're going to be bad for a while. So why not? You know, let's tank all over again. Let's get some high draft picks. Let's see what the new scouting department head can do. And, uh, you know, if we can get a couple of the other uh, top prospects and pry them away from other teams, why not? Screw it. Uh, I, that's really why I'm, I'm disgusted. <laughs> I'm disgusted and I'm not married to anybody on the scene. So, yeah, I am. I am listening. What do you think? What's your thoughts on Luis Robert? and potential trade candidates. You know, I don't, I mean, to be honest, I don't think anybody is going to give value for Luis Robert. You know, I think that they could um, give us, you know, say the, the Dodgers were, I mean, you know, I don't think that they would, trade for, you know, offer for Luis Robert. But, I mean, say that they did, and they were going to give us, like, I don't know, three of their three of their top 100 draft picks. Or, not, uh, you know, three of their top 100 prospects, not draft picks. Um, they were going to do that. I still, you know, you know, it's like Diego Cartaya and a couple of other guys. You know, like, the thing is, is that, yes – Potentially, the White Sox could, quote-unquote, fleece the Dodgers in a deal like that. But the thing is, is that regardless of whether you get three top 100 prospects from them, there's no guarantee that any one of them is going to be able to give you any kind of semblance of of the results that Luis Robert is going to give you, you know? Okay. Yeah. I mean, I don't disagree with that either. I'm just saying if, you know, obviously is if, if I'm going to play armchair GM, I'm setting that bar high. Right. And of course, you know, that bar being high might be the one thing that keeps him from going somewhere uh, because he has had that, that injury history, he hasn't had that full season of being Luis Robert. That's the one so. thing, is the health. Is that you wonder if can if the health can consistently keep him in a place where he can put up these kind of results year after year just because you don't know if his, you know, his hamstrings are going to go out. And Ladder Enjoyer says, no one has enough to make uh, Luis Robert Jr. worth trading. You'd just be hoping for a prospect that might be 75% as good as him in five years. And that's what I'm saying is that, you know, I mean, I guess if somebody calls, you're going to listen to what they say. But I mean, I mean, realistically, what are they going to give you that you're going to jump at? I mean, I guess if you were to say like the, you know, the Orioles were going to give us like their top like four prospects or something, maybe you would think about it just because Jackson Holiday's in there. And then, um, you know, there's a couple other guys that are you know, guys in there. Pretty good. Right. You know, uh, 
Yeah, Grimtall says yeah, he's it's the difficult, Mike, though. Mike Trout type you were you were talking about, and that's exactly it. He it? is. He, he very well could be. And, you know, that's without even pointing out that the first half of the season, he's in the same types of conversations that we've seen about Frank Thomas, that we've seen about Jim Tomey, Paul Canerco, you know, those types of numbers in the first half of the season where he's putting up 22, 23, 24 home runs before – the all-star break and, you know, the RBIs and, you know, the first couple months of the season, he made some, you know, ridiculous circus catches and, you know, people were, people were, you know, shooing him in for the gold glove after the first 10 games of baseball this season. Uh, He very well could be that, that Mike Trout type player. (laughs) And, you know, unfortunately, if the Sox do find a way to keep him around for as long as Mike Trout has stayed with the Angels, he could be in the same boat as Mike Trout, where he is that generational talent and doesn't really see this as, you know, a long, sustained playoff run. Yeah. It's unfortunate. We hope that that turns around, but as White Sox fans, we've been jaded for way too long. Yeah. And, you know, like the thing is, is that it's, you know, I, I know that the, the angels have made a, uh, you know, they've been made a punchline because they've had Otani and Trout and haven't managed to be able to do anything with it. But I mean, it's not like they haven't tried to do some things. They've tried to do a few things and it's just like every time they do it. I mean, like, I don't know what they were thinking signing Pujols you know, to what was that, a 10 year deal or whatever, when he was like 35 or something like that. Like, <laughs> what are you guys doing? I mean, they've done a bunch of dumb things, but I mean, like they've, you know, like the Anthony Rendon thing. I mean, the guy just had, the guy hasn't been healthy. I think for uh, not one season since he got signed, you know, after, you know, playing like uh like a hundred and I think it was like a hundred and forty five plus games every year in Washington, and then he comes over to the Angels and the guy can't play a hundred games a year. You know? Yeah. Yeah, which is unfortunate because when he was with the Nets, uh I mean he was a really he was a special talent. He was that generational talent and a lot of fun. Just you know, exciting, explosive kind of young ball player and you know, you hope that uh, that kind of thing doesn't happen here in the South Side with uh, with Luis. But ah. you know, just going back to the original question that, get, that gets us here is, uh, it's I'm just one of those people that drives me nuts. That quote: "We're not fielding calls. This guy is untouchable." I feel like you're not doing your job as a GM if you're even fielding calls if you're not listening. You know, maybe that those are those quotes that are kind of being, you know, flipped out there to the media to uh, let the other GMs know and the other organizations know. Well, yeah, okay, well, I'll take your call, but you better come correct when you do that. You know, I don't know. Yeah, uh, you know. Yeah, uh, they're bringing up uh, Jerry DePoto in the in the chat, the uh, Angels oh. GM who went to uh, Seattle afterwards. Um. Yeah, that guy loves to do a deal, and he loves to spend money. And uh, funny, you know, like a bunch of stuff that's that he's done in Seattle hasn't worked out. Although I will say the Luis Castillo thing has worked worked out pretty well for them, and they did make a run last year. But uh, I was say they've been playing better baseball the last couple of seasons than they have in a long time. Yeah, that's that's true. Um, yeah, so 
Anywho. Um, so the White Sox have signed, I believe, um, it's either 17 or 18 of their draft picks uh, from the draft. Seems awful quick, doesn't it, too? Usually there's a handful of those, you know, top and mid-slot holdouts take them a little bit to sign. No? Am yeah, I just I'm am I wrong to, in that feeling? Trying to think of who they have not signed. I can't can't remember off the top of my head who they have not signed, but I could have swore that it was uh yeah, White Sox have agreed to 17 of their 20 selections from the draft. Uh, and that was as of yesterday and I thought that I saw that somebody else signed um Somebody else yeah. signed today. Today, uh, what's his name? The uh, to Calvin young Harris. Kid. No, that was yesterday. No, uh, the young uh, Hispanic kid. Um, oh lord! See, now I got to get on the interwebs right in the middle of the show here because I'm ding dong, and I cannot remember his name whatsoever. Oh lord, here we go. Of course. Well, anyway, <laughs> yeah, they signed uh, most of you know most of their picks. I don't know. We'll see. Um, you know, I know that uh, they're all headed out to Arizona to do all their physicals and all that stuff. Um, the third day of the draft. Uh, did you have any thoughts on the third day of the draft at all? No, not really. Um, it, no. To, to be quite frank with you, I uh, I really didn't even recognize most of the guys in the third day of the draft. Like we had talked about, you know, the first uh, 10 rounds or so, uh, the last handful of picks, you know, I didn't even really do any follow-up on, to be completely honest. I'm sorry. It was Jacob Gonzalez. Oh, yeah. How did I forget that guy's name? Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, I, but I guess that was yesterday that he signed. So. Yeah. Um. Yeah, the, I mean, there's there's some interesting names in the third day of the draft, and there's you know there's some skill sets there, um, you know, but the the thing was is that you know the majority of the the you know splashy stuff was in in the first two days for sure, but I mean I think that they've got some things to uh, you know they got some some pitching in there. They drafted quite a bit of left-handed pitching this year. Lots of left-handed hitting. I think they drafted one right-handed hitter um, in the entire draft. Everybody else was left-handed. Um, yeah, that's pretty pretty wild. Yeah, it's interesting, you know. I mean, I don't know. Um, you know, it's like you look at the, the – uh, oh, yeah, well, 25 total signings. Yeah, that's they, – they signed, uh, I think, six – undrafted free yeah, agents undrafted or something mm-hmm. uh, five undrafted free agents yeah there you go um yeah i don't know you know like the thing is is that i didn't know uh quite a few of the names that got drafted last year and you know here they are putting up good numbers in uh in Canapolis and uh getting bumped up to uh winston salem and so what I mean, what am I going to say? Because 
what I think, uh, you know, it's like uh, most of these people, you know, the uh, the armchair GMs just, you know, sit there and cry about the about the draft and act like they know exactly who all these guys are. You know, I mean, I guess, right. they, you know, like through the first yeah, two rounds, they're like, oh, yeah, I know that guy. I know that guy. You know, it's like if you sit here and redo that stuff, it's like, you okay, know, whatever. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm of the uh, the wait and see variety kind of guy. I'm not going to judge this draft until, you know, I see until I get my eyes on them and I see exactly what I'm looking at. You know, right. But to your point, if this year, if last year was any indication of what's possible for this year's draft class, you know, we might be in for a treat. Like you said, there's there was a handful of guys that, you know, nobody even knew who they were. Nobody had ever really heard much about them. And here they are. They're performing, albeit at the lower levels. But uh, if they continue to do those things, uh, you know, could be it, it could be something for us Sox fans to kind of keep an eye on. and. If this uh, ball club's going to be bad, the MLB club's going to be bad for a while. Maybe we can kind of look towards the future a little bit. And uh, I, you know, you and I are already pretty into. You especially are more into the minor leagues than a lot of folks out there. You know, especially the casual fan. Uh, so we kind of enjoy. You know, I do more stat watching than I do you know game watching like you do. But uh, you're out here watching all these games and. Thank you for that, by the way, and keeping us, uh, the rest of us, you know, honest with, uh, you know, our assessments, because uh, as you say, there's a lot of people out there that are going to make those assessments and throw them out there on the interwebs for all to see. But, uh, you know, if we have nothing else to hang our hat on, we have at least that. Yeah, I got uh, I got told on Twitter the other day that there are too many 23, 24, and 25-year-olds in uh, the low minors for the White Sox, and we should just DFA all of them. Is that right? Yeah, I guess. Is that so right? We're, like, we're, we're not even looking at stats anymore. <laughs> yeah, it didn't matter. It's just that the fact that, uh, you know, they're 23 or 24 or 25, and I was, like, thinking to myself, you know— 85% of these guys that you're complaining about, this is their first year either A, out of college, or B, like coming to a, a full season affiliate, and you're just going right. to come loose. I mean, like, I mean, I get it. The, the age is up there, and that's a bummer, but I mean. Yeah, but you don't want to even see what the potential is. Like, at least give them a seat, you know, a little bit of time to say, okay, well, maybe we were wrong, but. Yeah. Nope, just DFA. Oh, it right reminds on. me of uh, here we go again with the. I'm not just on a money ball kick today, but that you know, the scene in the middle of the movie where uh, old Brad Pitt's on the horn with a bunch of GMs and he's looking for a name to throw out there. That's, puts one of the managers or one of the other GMs on. He's like, ah, you know, what's his name? So and so, ah, twenty seven and a double A. Now, nope. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know. I don't know. I, I I don't disagree that some of those guys are up there in age yeah, in comparison sure. to, yeah. you know, the guys they're facing and playing against. But let's at least see what they got. If they fail, they fail. They're not. It's not like they're making a ton of money, you know. And until now, with the draft happening, you know, you're not really holding anybody back. A lot of these draft picks are going to go play fall ball, and you know, maybe even some of them will play down in the in the DR summer league and. 
whatever. So there's still time for these guys to, uh, you know, get their reps in. Yeah. I mean, like, I'll be honest, you know, like most of these guys that are like 23, 24, 25 that are in low A and advanced A, I mean, first off, you know, they, a couple of them just draft, you know, just got drafted out of college. So they're going to be, you know, a little bit more of an advanced age anyway, but you know, let them play and see what happens. You know, um, you know, these are the kind of guys that you get when you get those big bonus guys, you know? Right. So, right. Exactly. I don't understand why anybody's even remotely shocked that any of this stuff happened. Um, so, uh, after pitching in the futures game, Jonathan Cannon got bumped up to, uh, the Barons. And uh, he made a start on Saturday, Friday or Saturday, and uh, pitched four innings for the Barons. I think he gave up a couple of runs. Um, looked pretty good. Um, didn't look overmatched, so that's a good thing. Um, Six-pitch mix, as it turns out, works pretty decent everywhere, shockingly. Um, so far. Yeah. And uh, Tristan Stivers and uh, Addison Coffey also got sent to uh, Birmingham from uh, Winston-Salem. Uh, so and if you're new here, I just got to say Tristan Stivers is one of my favorite young arms coming up through the system here. You know, he's going to be uh, he's uh, he's going to be a bullpen guy. I don't think he'll ever. Well, I don't know. No. He's got some starting potential, no. actually. Nah. No, that guy's straight up, straight up closer. I mean, he can, I mean, yeah, he can go so? multiple innings. But, yeah, okay, uh, well, that's, I guess you could stretch him out a little bit, I guess is what I'm saying. But Yeah, I mean, you could. Who uh, is he got some filthy stuff, yeah, man. No, that guy sure. has got some. Yeah. I mean, I, he's dirty. If you haven't seen him, go look him up. Go do a search on him. Find some video that, you know, your favorite Ian Eskridge uh, has put up there. But, man, whoo. Yeah. He throws some garbage. Yeah. Speaking Ugh. of, did you see that Noah Schultz slider? I did. That <sighs> thing's ridiculous, too. Yeah, if you've not seen that, which at this point I don't know how you wouldn't have seen it because it's got like two hundred and something thousand views on on Twitter. But yeah, uh, yeah, that that pitch, uh, that slider, this left-handed hit, this poor left-handed, poor left-handed hitter just completely turns his back to the pitch because he thinks he's going to get plunked, and then it goes right over the heart of the plate. It was beautiful. Ooh. Yeah, it sure was. Ladder Enjoyer says he's been a fan of Stivers since he threw that one inning in spring training. Yeah, I mean, that dude's curveball is just gross. Um, he's got a couple of breaking pitches that they do. Stay. I mean, sometimes you just look at it and you go, it's not possible. I've never seen anything like it before. When he gets a, when he gets the right spin rate on it, you know, and he doesn't do that every single time, but, I mean, the curveball, it's pretty much it's a wipeout curve. That's but uh his slider too, when it when he's on that slider, oh, it's, yeah. just, it's a thing of beauty. You there you can't put words to it. Yeah, I saw a little bit of it last year, but uh you know, what he's been doing so far this year has been a lot of fun. Uh I also then need Ben Butel promoted yesterday. Point three eight ERA, point eight five whip in canny. Yeah, Ben Butel is, uh, if you haven't seen him, he's a lefty sidearm guy. And, like, the thing is, is that, um, 
like the velo is low middling at best, you know, like, uh, he's one of those guys that you see the, the velo reports on him and you're like, meh, you know, like how good can he be? Well, his release point, um, is just, it's nasty. Uh, his, his, uh, yeah, his whole motion is just real tough to pick up, and uh, these these poor poor kids in A are just not having a good time against him. And I, you know, no. I don't know if you know to to speak to those numbers. Yes, they're really good. Will it transfer? I don't know. Um, but you know, then again, uh, Sergio Romo had a career. Um, you this know, like. Guys that you don't think necessarily that should, you know, do that kind of thing, sometimes they do. And especially these guys that are really hard to pick up, you know. I mean, both of the Rogers brothers, uh, Taylor and Tyler, Taylor and Tyler, uh, those guys, you know, both of those guys have funky arm angles and both of them are, you know, they do pretty well. So Aaron Wasserman. Yeah. That delivery was uh that's uh, one of those funky and uh moneyball, Chad Bradford. Oh yeah, Submariner. Yeah. If we want to bring up Moneyball again and and of course talk about uh the White Sox and how they don't value Chad Bradford like they should. Wasserman was a walk on tryout at Birmingham. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, I don't know the uh, the White Sox going to. Uh, did you see uh, Jake Berger on the MLB Network? Nope. Today, yeah, he was on the MLB <laughs> Network. Um, him and uh, I'm sorry, man. I you know I, I told well, you getting yeah. the show. I've, I've got a TV out in front of me at work. Obviously. So like, yeah, I am not. Uh, I'm not that uh, that special. I'm uh, I'm running. Most of the day, I'm yeah. on my feet going, and if I'm not running, I'm you know inside a you know four by three cabinet trying to drill and screw and plumber. I'm you know if I'm playing plumber, electrician, and uh, plumber. Yeah, plumber. Anyway, so uh, yeah, you know, so being uh, an RV uh, service technician uh, puts me in positions where I don't get to see a lot of TV. Yeah, no, fair enough. I mean, uh, <laughs> just so happens that my job. Literally puts me in front of TVs all day long. Um, so, uh, yeah, Jake Berger went to the MLB Network Studios today and uh, did himself a nice, like, I don't know if he was there for, like, 25 minutes or something like that. So, uh, and it's all it's all on uh, the White Sox uh, front page. And also there's um, some parts on YouTube that I saw earlier today. Um Anyway, that stuff's fun. It's worth a watch. But uh, White Sox going to uh, play the Mets, and they get to see uh, Carrasco, Verlander, and Jose Quintana. Yay! Yeah. So, um, I mean, the Mets are terrible, a... but not yeah. terribleer than the White Sox. So, right. I'm interested to see what they can manage to do against the Mets. Now, I don't expect the Mets to, uh, you know, of course I don't expect them to just, you know, lay down and let the White Sox pummel them, of course. Um, 
but I'm hoping just just for my own, not that I necessarily like I don't care if they win. I just want them to play decent baseball. You know, I want them to be competitive. I just I well, I'm tired of watching, you know, like the you know, that first uh that first White Sox uh Braves game. You know, like I just I don't want to oh. I don't want to see that that I I just don't want to see that over and over again. You know, I don't need to see uh Saturday and Sunday all the time, but at least you know, give me some four to three games. You know, prefer, preferably that they don't, uh, that they don't, you know, blow in the bullpen. Just that they come up short on offense, whatever. Preferably that, uh, like Grimtall says, the Mets don't circle this series on their calendar as the one to turn their season around. <laughs> uh, uh, yes. You know. <laughs> I mean, hey, you know, the Mets have been one of those teams that have been mentioned around White Sox and, uh, you know, possible trade potential. But I, mean, I don't know if that's something we'll see. But, I mean, you know, I guess people have, people have floated it out there. Maybe we'll see one of those, uh, you know, cross locker room moves while uh, while the Sox are in town over there. Tell him not to put his uniform on. I don't want him playing against me today. <laughs> I mean they're not they're not going to be hopping anybody in the east unless they you know completely do a 180. I don't think that's I don't think it's in the cards either. Just like I don't think the White Sox are going to do it. I don't think the Mets are going to do it either. No. And especially in that division. No, that division's uh much better than the uh ALC. Yeah, that's much. that's to put it mildly. Um <laughs> Yeah, so uh, you got anything else um, of import for this uh, particular week coming up? No, man. I'm ready to get into some baseball card rips. Let's let's yeah. rip some packs here, man. Um, for those of you that are unaware, there we go. Four autograph cards per box. Chasing that elusive Holson Montgomery auto card that I can't ever seem to get. Um, no, because all the other guys that are doing these rips have gotten like 42 of them. Yeah. The Brian Ramos, the uh, Jose Rodriguez, uh, Lenin Sosa. I got uh, Benjamin Bailey. Thank you all who, uh, if you know, if you guys decide to stick around and see what, what's inside this box. What's in the box? Um, you wait what's to see in what's box? in this box. Um, <laughs> you know, we appreciate you. Thank you for coming to hang out. And, uh, watching and uh in the being in the chat um at daily white Sox on twitter uh white Sox daily you can search us on facebook youtube um white Sox com is where you can find this podcast and uh written articles so uh next week um we have uh, nick murowski of locked on socks and uh good guys talk back he'll be he'll be on here and uh, with me and Danny, and um, it'll be on Monday next week. Um, so that'll be a good time. Always a good time with Nick. Yeah, he's one of our favorite people over here. Um, so, yeah, we'll have him on, and uh, we'll have a good time, and everything will be good. Um, yeah, so until next week, next Monday, uh, my name is Ian Eskridge. For my co-host, the Danny Miller, you guys have a great night. Thanks for hanging out. 